As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to the latest and best edition of the Big Football Show. This is a Friday edition where myself, Ari Wasserman, is joined by the great Jesse Temple, the Wisconsin beat writer. And I'm feeling really good this Friday, Jesse. You want to know why? Please tell me why. Well, you went 3-3 three and three last week. I went 4-2 and two last week. And that means that uh, I caught up to you by one game. You're 12-9 and nine and I'm a, overall, and I'm 11-10 and 10 overall. But what that means is that if you tailed all of our picks... Um, or picked one of us, no matter what you did on this podcast, you made money. And as long as I can claim that Friday's Athletic Big Football Show podcast is profitable and makes you money, I'm a happy camper recording this. So good job, Jesse. Um, We're through three or three and a half weeks, depending on what team you like. And uh, we're doing pretty good so far. Are you you doing better or worse than you thought you were going to do with this? I'm doing better, honestly. This is is the first time I've gone a whole season picking against the spread, and it's basically... Now, week to week, we're going to go every Big Ten game. If <laughs> There just hasn't been a week, or at least very many, where they've actually played seven, and there isn't again this week since there's no Maryland-Michigan State. But yeah, I'll take 12-9. and nine. I think that's pretty solid. And we really only differed on one game last week, and it was a biggie. Uh, I did not think Wisconsin would cover at Michigan, and my biggest concern was that they had so many guys dealing with a, a positive COVID-19 outbreak that we didn't know who would be available well, we got the list about 45 minutes before the game, and even though Wisconsin didn't specify which players, uh, the reason those players were out, there were like eight guys <laughs> who didn't play. And yet the Badgers rolled Michigan 49-11, so I give you credit for getting that one, and that's why we are where we are now. 12-9 and for me, 11-10 and for you, and uh, hopefully we've got some differing picks this week to spice it up. Yeah, I. Uh, how many players could Wisconsin have been down last week to to lose? Like, how many do you think they would have to be missing because I think if they were missing half their roster they still would have won comfortably that was an embarrassment of a game yeah embarrassment is the used is the word I used in my game story for for Michigan State it was just a putrid performance I think Wisconsin getting Graham Mertz back helped an awful lot because if he wasn't available they would have had to go with fourth string quarterback Danny Vandenboom who's a good quarterback and maybe again it wouldn't have mattered because they just destroyed Michigan all the way all the way around so 
there's a lot of problems for the Wolverines. And I'm sure we'll get into it as we make our picks. You know, I've been uh, trying to peg Michigan every week, and I'm, I think I've been wrong every week except one. And this last time was just dumb luck, I think. Um, but when you're in a situation uh, that Wisconsin's in where they've played two games uh, this year and both of them were blowouts, one of which was uh, a blowout of a team that's supposed to be pretty good, um, it's kind of hard to gauge where Wisconsin is. And I think it's even more of an interesting discussion uh, going into this week than even trying to figure out what's wrong with Michigan. I think we can kind of close the book on them. Um, Wisconsin sitting at 2-0, and blowout uh, over in Illinois to start the season and then a few weeks off because of COVID concerns, and then comes back and and beats Michigan very handily on national television. Third week of the of the Wisconsin football team's football schedule, and they're playing at Northwestern. And there's two big games in the Big Ten this week. I think this is arguably the biggest game. Some might think Indiana at Ohio State are because it's a top 10 matchup, but the spread of that game is 20 and a half, and we'll get to that. This game, I think, might determine who ends up going to the Big Ten championship t- uh, game from the West. Um, what's your take on how good Wisconsin actually is, just based on uh, what you've seen with your eyes and what you might, you know, feel in terms of, you know, comparing it to Wisconsin teams of the past? And do you believe that this game might be the determining factor of who goes to the Big Ten championship game out of the West? I do believe this game will be the determining factor, <laughs> even though we still have three games to go after this week. Just because if Wisconsin wins, um, I mean, that the hardest game on the schedule to me, would be Indiana left. I know they'd have Iowa and Minnesota, but then they would have this game over Northwestern, and I just I don't know if any other team is is as good in the West based on what we've seen. In terms of whether this is the best Wisconsin team or one of the best ones we've seen in recent years, that's a that's a really tough question. The defense always reloads. They it's it's remarkable. They lost a first team All American in Zach Bond, who was a, a third round draft pick of the New Orleans Saints. They lost a second-team All-Big Ten linebacker in Chris Orr, and yet it's like it hasn't mattered. I mean, they, they've just dominated. Offensively, I think there's still some things to shore up in, in the running back room. I mean, they had a true freshman lead the team in rushing yards because two of their top three guys were out against Michigan. But in terms of picking this game, uh, this is a real hard one for me. I'm actually 0-2 in picking Wisconsin this year. I have Each time, I did not think the Badgers would cover, and they did. Um and you'd think I would learn my lesson, right? But I haven't. <laughs> I think I think I'm not comfortable saying Wisconsin's going to cover this one simply because of how well Northwestern has played. There's a larger sample size. The Wildcats have played four games. The defense has been excellent. It's it's the second best defense in the Big Ten behind Wisconsin. They defend the pass really well. You look at some of these advanced numbers. They have four interceptions on throws that have gone 20 plus yards, um, and opponents have only completed two passes down the field. Now, maybe Mertz can can do that. If anybody can, it's him. But Wisconsin has struggled at Ryan Field. They're 1-5 and five since 2003 there. And I think they win, but I don't think they cover. I love the numbers. I love it. I'm not going to join you on this, and I'm going to continue to try to create separation in the race between our picks by picking on the team that you cover and you fading the team for some reason that you cover. I think that that hook is a very interesting situation because um, on some books it's Wisconsin minus seven and and seven and a half is a little bit more challenging because it turns it into a two score game. Uh, But I think that 
Northwestern, despite the fact that they've looked very impressive defensively this year, um, hasn't faced a team like Wisconsin. And I don't know if this is just like me watching them on TV, and, and you obviously know more about Wisconsin than I do, but Wisconsin looks more physical, looks faster, and looks more talented than they have in the past. And I know that they lost some pretty important pieces from last year's team, <laughs> the last year's team that almost beat Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game, so I'm not trying to you know, delegitimize the uh, struggle of replacing those guys, but Wisconsin looks like they're on a whole different level right now. And, you know, if Northwestern's stat of not allowing more than two passes downfield is something to get excited about, I kind of feel like Mertz is something different uh, from a Wisconsin standpoint and that he's the person that's supposed to be able to do the things that other old Wisconsin quarterbacks can't do. And so far from what we've seen out of this team, um, I think it's hard to to fade them. I, I love Wisconsin right now. And I'm I'm just genuinely curious. Like Wisconsin goes out and they cover the spread and then they go to the Big Ten championship game and play Ohio State close or, you know, I guess obviously there's always the chance they could beat them, but play them close. Is Wisconsin like a legitimate playoff team in your mind? If Wisconsin loses the Big Ten championship game? Yeah, but in a close competitive game. Absolutely not. I don't see how you could possibly say a team that goes six and one and it doesn't win the conference championship winds up as one of the top four teams, especially when you've got a situation where Clemson and Notre Dame could play each other again in the ACC championship. Um, the SEC, you could have hypothetically two teams, uh, and then you'd have Ohio State and obviously the Pac-12 and, and some of those non-Power 5 programs that are undefeated. Uh, so I don't think that that's a possibility. Um, it's, it's more interesting to me if they're undefeated. I think they're clearly in. But to your point, I mean, Mertz clearly should be that guy i just the seven and a half is what caught me that like you said it's two possessions northwestern's allowing 14 points a game and i don't know how many points are going to be scored in a game like this it is always a grind and an absolute slugfest even when northwestern is bad wisconsin has a tough time with the wildcats so that's why i think wisconsin wins but it's a one possession game why do you think that is well i think it's the style of play uh northwestern is physical they like to muck things up and it's just caused Wisconsin problems, and maybe it's the field. Some say the grass is longer there at Ryan Field. Some say it's the atmosphere, like it feels like a glorified high school game. Now, this year it doesn't matter because nobody's in the stands, but there just seems to be a similar style of play, and for whatever reason, it has given Wisconsin trouble. I mean, even last year, the Badgers won 24-15, but they had two defensive touchdowns against Northwestern. The offense didn't do much. They had 13 non-kneel-down possessions and scored 10 points, so... That's a team that went to the Rose Bowl, right? And Northwestern was like 3-8. and eight. So I don't know what it is, but all those reasons give me pause. You make a lot of salient points, and you very well may be right because you have been the first two times in this Wisconsin season, but that's just what I'm feeling right now. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, I, I, this happens a lot of times, too, with, like, teams. Ohio State struggles against Purdue, and I don't, like, know the reason for that. Why do really good teams sometimes struggle with teams that they should outmatch consistently over the course of multiple years, different coaches, different personnel? It's just, a, it's just an odd thing. Um, but my hope is that Wisconsin is different, and it's not the same Wisconsin team that was – illustrated in the in those numbers and you know i know northwestern's played pretty good this year but i'm trying to to give my blind faith and my 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 eyes open faith to a guy like mertz and a team that's playing so well and i think that the higher profile wisconsin gets the better because college football needs more uh, touchdown passes to the fullback up on national television so um the next game we'll go to is purdue minus two and a half at minnesota well, Purdue's just a better football team than Minnesota is this season. I like what quarterback Aiden O'Connell has done for Jeff Brom. He's averaging 305 yards passing per game, which is the best mark in the Big Ten. David Bell is one of the top receivers in the conference. And also, Minnesota's run defense has been really poor. It's last in the conference, allowing 238.3 yards per game. So that could mean a big day for Xander Horvath. I'm laying the points on this one, Purdue. I'm laying them, too. I watched the Minnesota game uh, last weekend, and... Their defensive front is so poor. I don't know how you could beat pick Minnesota to win any game. I anybody could run through them, and uh, you know Purdue has showed the pulse. And you know they had a tough game against uh, Northwestern last week. They did a pretty good job of um, you know staying staying tough. But watching Iowa beat Minnesota thirty-five to seven at home in a game in the frigid cold where it was just physical pounding. I don't know how anybody could watch that Minnesota game and go, yeah, I'm going to bet the Gophers the next time they take the field. Until they figure out how to stop a, a team from rushing um, through them like there's no defensive wall there, um, I'm fading them hard. Purdue minus 2.5 on the road. We agree on that one. Okay, next one. Iowa minus 2.5 at Penn State. Well, I feel like Iowa's found its mojo. You just talked about that Minnesota game. The, the last two games Iowa's played, Michigan State and Minnesota – the Hawkeyes have just destroyed those teams on the ground. I said last week that Tyler Goodson would have a big day against the Gophers. He ran for 142 yards and two touchdowns. As a team, Iowa ran for 235 yards. And on the other side, it has been a miserable year for Penn State. Quarterback Sean Clifford was benched last week. I know Penn State showed a pulse in the second half against Nebraska to come back and make the game close. I'm going with the Big Ten West on this one. I think Iowa covers. Yeah, I think there's a certain point where you just have to start questioning whether or not uh, Penn State even has the will to try to turn this thing around, or because it's probably not even possible right now. The team's 0-4, and with only four remaining games left, it's like the best possible scenario is 4-4, and which is still a disaster of a season, and I just think that sometimes when you're at a program that has been above that for such a, a long period of time, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around being that bad and like fighting to get back at it. And I don't know if I see a lot of fight from James Franklin in the news conferences. Um, I don't know that I see a, a, uh, a team that is going to want to rise up and 
and physically beat one of the teams that is kind of rolling right now. And Iowa is physically rolling because they're just controlling the line of scrimmage. They're running the ball down people's throats. And, you know, I know that Penn State's at home, but I don't know how. And I said this last week, too, when we were talking about Penn State and Nebraska, how do you put your confidence in that team right now? Um, what is the thing that you could say, yeah, but this is going to happen? I don't have the answer to that question. So what I do know is that Iowa is going to run the football. I do know that Iowa plays uh, pretty good defense, and only one of these two teams is feeling good about itself right now and, and probably has a, a reason to care, which is kind of funny to say, but it's true. So I'm going to lay the points. Iowa minus 2.5. I agree with you on this one. Um, next game, Jesse, is uh, Indiana plus 20.5 at Ohio State. Uh, maybe this is the biggest game of the week in the Big Ten uh, between two top 10 teams, two legit top 10 teams here. Uh, what, what's your feeling on this? To me, this is the biggest game of the week in the Big Ten, and I know we we started off with the Northwestern-Wisconsin game, but it's just such an intriguing matchup because of what Indiana football is this season. I like the Hoosiers. Uh, I, I They've played so well to this point. They have the number three run defense in the Big Ten and the number four pass defense. And sure, Michigan and Michigan State may not be very good teams, but in Indiana's last two games, the Wolverines and the Spartans carried 42 times for 73 yards. So... I think that's that's pretty telling, and I know, I know Justin Fields has been outstanding, and I think Ohio State wins this game, but I just don't see Indiana losing by three touchdowns. I think the Hoosiers are too good this season. 20.5 points to me is, is surprising, considering this is a top-10 matchup with an undefeated Indiana team. Do you think that this is a legitimate top-10 team? Yes, I do. I know it took uh, the last second to beat Penn State, which is winless, but I think I think Indiana has earned what it has gotten to this point. I, and again, I'm not out here saying the Hoosiers are going to go beat Ohio State because we've said all along Ohio State is the best team in the Big Ten. I think they're going to go to the college football playoff this year. But 20 and a half points to me, I, I that, that is a striking number to me. Yeah, I think that the number is exactly what this is. Uh, I, I think that Indiana, there's a difference between earning your spot in the top 10 and being a legitimate long-term top 10 team. And I think that Indiana has absolutely done what they've had to do to earn this 4-0 start. And they've beaten Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan, which is probably the last time this is ever going to happen in a single season. But in terms of whether or not they are a belonging team in that echelon of the sport right now, based on the talent that they have on their roster, I'm not sure that I agree with you on that. And when we look at the matchup specifically, I think the last place I would start is Indiana's defense because I don't know that they are equipped in any 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 stretch of the imagination to stop this Ohio State team from scoring. So to me, I think the idea is, do you think Indiana's team can score enough points to be within 20 by the end of the game? And I think it's possible because Ohio State's secondary has shown weakness at times in the past, and Rutgers got some some garbage touchdowns, and uh, Penn State got some garbage touchdowns, and there seems to be some susceptibility there with some guys they've had to replace after last year. But to me, this game seems like it's 52-10 to, to 10 or 55-17, something like that, because I do think that Indiana will get theirs. They've got some exciting receivers. Penix Jr. is a really fun, um, fun player to watch. But the reason why there's no hype around this game, Jesse, is because I think we all can identify what this game is. I think this game is a fake good matchup. I think Ohio State, having coming off a bye week, is angry and, and excited to potentially put themselves in a in a position to play for the Big Ten championship and a college football playoff berth. Um, I just don't know that Indiana has the guys on their team to stay within three touchdowns because it seems like a lot, but when you're playing a team that can score like an avalanche, it like it adds up really quickly. And 
you know, I think Indiana is the best test that Ohio State has remaining on their schedule outside of Michigan, a game that they'll always respect. And I think that Ohio State's coming into this game respecting their opponent. And I think that that also makes it hard for me to think that a fully locked in Ohio State team is going to be susceptible to, you know, letting them store, uh, letting them score enough and being stopped enough to be within three touchdowns. And I think that like even a 38-17 game, which I think would be a respectable game, 24-28-17 in the third quarter, and then Ohio State scores a few touchdowns at the end. You know, that would be a respectable game for Indiana. But I think that it's a little bit easier to cover 20 and a half than you might think it is. All right. Well, I'm just glad we're four games in and we differ on two of them. Yeah, that's good. It's time for me to get my get my mojo back. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Um, here's a game that I'm most assuredly going to be wrong about. Uh, Michigan minus 10.5 at Rutgers. Oh, you saying that makes me think we might wind up with the, the same pick, but I'm not sure. Um, no, I just think no matter what side I pick, I'm going to be wrong on this <laughs> <Okay>. one. <so. laughs> well, we're at a point now where questions are being asked about whether Jim Harbaugh has lost the team and what the future holds for Michigan football. And we talked about in the outset that 49-11 loss against Wisconsin was embarrassing. It was the worst home loss in Michigan Stadium history. I still think Joe Milton can be a big-time playmaker. He's thrown for 300-plus yards in a couple of games. I think Michigan wins, but I have no confidence in the Wolverines. I'm going with Rutgers to cover this at home as 10.5-point dogs. Last week, I laid points in the Rutgers game against Illinois, and I watched that game, Jesse, and I thought to myself, why did I do this for four quarters? I think Rutgers is a much improved team from what they've been in the past, and I don't know that they're necessarily the joke of the Big Ten teams that we used to always poke at them. I like Greg Schiano. I think he's going to build something exciting there in the you know next three or four years if he can get some recruiting going, but I'm not necessarily sure I'm back on the Rutgers as a competent football team bandwagon. Um, they looked, in my opinion, every bit as the Rutgers that we remember against Illinois last week. And you know, I don't know if Michigan is if Harbaugh's lost his team, and every week I, I continually try to put my faith back into Michigan. Um, but I'm laying the points here again. I'm falling into the trap. I don't know uh, exactly if that's like something that I'd be confident in doing. But Michigan should be ten points better than Rutgers right now, and I don't know if it's a complete situation where the team has given up on Harbaugh or Harbaugh's checked out or. The team and program is just in a complete state of dysfunction right now. But if there's any sort of hope that Michigan is not going to let the boat completely sink into this realm of embarrassment, you have to give Michigan confidence enough to beat them by 11. I mean, I don't know. So I guess I'm giving Harbaugh, the $8.5 million a year coach, um, benefit of the doubt and hoping that he doesn't just completely just tank the season at this point. I think Michigan absolutely could win a game 24-14 to 14 or or 24-13 or 24-10 or something like that and be a boring, ugly Michigan's messed up game and still cover the spread. So that's what I'm banking on here. And I think that uh, it's good. We're on we're on separate sides again. Yeah? Yeah. Riveting. <laughs> yeah. Okay, last one, Jesse, and then I'll, uh, you know, you've already been subjected to 20 minutes of me today, so I know that you are we got, what, three more minutes left till your head explodes. Um, last game here. Uh, Nebraska minus 15 and a half at Illinois. Nebraska got off to Schneid against Penn State last week, but I don't know how much that means. Uh, you know, Luke McCaffrey 
It was a big moment for him. He got his first start. But Illinois won his first game, too. And quarterback Isaiah Williams earned Big Ten Freshman of the Week honors. He carried 31 times for 192 yards with a touchdown. That's the quarterback. I, I think Nebraska wins, but not by more than 15 points. So I'm rolling with Illinois on this one. I don't even know how to like begin to break this down. <laughs> I, I just what would have been more devastating last week, Jesse, to the fan base? Uh, what happened, uh, which was Penn State losing? So the devastation is Penn State losing and going zero four, or Nebraska blowing that game? Which did, which fan base do you think would have had it harder? Oh, Nebraska. I mean, I you know it's like the Green Bay Packers out there. They they I'm not saying that Penn State fans aren't passionate, but I just feel like in Nebraska. Every little thing is insane. So can you imagine if they had led by multiple touchdowns at halftime and they look like they look like a solid Big Ten team and then it, they just uh, let it go down their leg? It would have been hysterics. I was, I was watching that thinking, like, this is really bad for Penn State. They're having a really awful season, but they'll be more equipped to handle this if they lose because they don't have to deal with the living like in this world every day. I felt like if Nebraska would have lost, they just folded up the program because that would have been a, a terrible, terrible loss. I, I think Nebraska is um, not a very good football team, but I think that they're a team with a pulse. I like what McCaffrey's done. I liked watching them play against Penn State last week, and I thought they looked like a very competent football team. I think that version of Nebraska wins this game easily. Um, I'm going to lay the points here, and uh, part of the reason why is because I want to be different than you. Uh, I'm just kidding. I know what I'm doing before we start the show. But I, I think that your interesting your insight's interesting. Um, I thought Illinois did a pretty good job offensively, and I watched the entire Illinois Rutgers game last week, um, so I kind of have a good feel for it. I don't know that I have any um, confidence whatsoever in Illinois to do anything competent at this point. So uh, you know, maybe Nebraska is kind of a slippery slope, and laying three scores is a tough thing to do. But right now, that's my uh, my confidence. So let me ask you one more thing before we get out of here, Jesse. Um, what do you think, uh, from your perspective, um, is the best way to describe how the Big Ten West stacks up with the East this year? Do you think the Big Ten West has an argument to being better, the better side of the conference this year? Um, and I guess maybe if Ohio State exposes Illinois, uh, Indiana on Saturday, they might change things a little bit. But, you know, all every year it's always the East is better than the West. And it's like, I think this might be the first year where the West from top to bottom is a better uh, side of the conference. Do you think that that's a good good argument? Yeah, I do, because in most years, you could you could say you lock in and there's four teams in the East that might be four of the top five or four of the top six teams in the Big Ten, and that would normally include Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State. You can't say that about any of those teams. Penn State's still winless. Obviously, the Wolverines and Spartans just have one win, Michigan's one and three for the first time since 1967. So you've really got Indiana and Ohio State. They're top ten teams, and that's it. Maryland's two and one, but I don't think I would consider them you know, any better than some of those top Big Ten West teams. Northwestern's undefeated. Wisconsin, to me, is still the best team in the West. Purdue is, is capable. Iowa's and playing I, well. And I, Iowa's been good, too. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think the East is any better by any stretch of the imagination other than I think Ohio State's the best team, but it doesn't mean that they're the best division this year. Yeah, yeah, I think that of all the 2020 jokes of uh, top 10 matchup of Ohio State-Indiana and all the weird things that are happening in the Big Ten – I think the Big Ten West being better than the Big Ten East is the the 2020 joke all wrapped up in one in the college football aspect of it. So anyway, well, thanks so much, everybody, for listening. Uh, Jesse Moneymaker Temple, is that a good – is that forced or – 
it'll hold for one more week. But I mean, we've got four four differing games, so if you go four and zero on those, I'm not looking very good. I'm actually pretty confident in how uh, I'm feeling about the Big Ten now. I think the context is starting to catch up with what I think I know, and I think I'm going to have a big week this week. So that means if you tail Jesse, you're probably going to lose a lot of money. So uh, come on my way, and you know we'll rehash how we did this uh, this Friday next week, and you know hopefully we win some more money, huh? Sounds good to me. All right, guys. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye.